Are you ready for the end of the world? Always. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, this is Orda Energy Mon. This is Tree Song. And we are live, local, <laughs> and in your face about climate change, the environment, and social change. Yes. Wait. Enough gloom and doom to slather your brain with a sense of humor. Yeah. Something like that. Um, what should we talk about? Should we talk about how... It's been summer and winter in the last week. <laughs> yeah, it has. It's been a bit unusual. <laughs> Just like. Yeah. Well, I want to give a quick shout out to this book I've been reading. It's called Six Degrees, Our Future on a Hot, Hotter Planet by Mark Linus. So it's not six degrees of separation. Well, yeah. six degrees of separation from death. Yeah, no. it's not six degrees of separation <laughs> or Kevin Bacon, you know. But uh, it's about each chapter is about what it would be like with a degree of warming on the planet. You know, one degrees, two degrees, three degrees. Then we already hit two. Well, we're, this is in degrees Celsius. We're getting, we're getting, parts of the planet are getting uh, close, you know. <laughs> like in the Arctic, warms up more, more quickly than the equator. <laughs> yeah, they've hit two degrees on the Arctic. Yeah. yeah. And we did briefly reach two degrees above Wait average. Wait a second. <laughs> the Arctic warms up quicker than the equator? Yeah. The equator is like the hot part. <laughs> yeah, well, that's So the cold part warms up quicker. Well, yeah. that's true. Which. Which uh, messes up a lot of climate systems, yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating read. I like it because it takes the science and turns it into little stories about what's going to happen. You know, sometimes you look at a chart or a graph and you don't quite wrap your mind around what that's going to look like in the real world. Yeah, I mean, how, it's kind of hard to see a chart of two degrees Yeah, <laughs> or one degree. You know, it's just like a little blip. Yeah, on yeah. the chart, it's a little blip. But in the book, you're reading and the, like the Amazon's burning and, you know, the glaciers are melting. and So just little things. Yeah, just little minor details, you know, like okay. the, yeah. Those don't <laughs> affect us. I mean, that's, you know, the Amazon and that's the glaciers. That's not people dying. Yeah, well, that's right? part of what's good about the book is it, it draws the connections. It goes from science to Amazon burning to all the lives that are affected because oh, I've seen all of it covered in other places, but it doesn't draw it all together. Like one story will talk about the human impact. One story will talk about the science. But this, it's like it all wrapped up into one. So it's a good read. There's also a documentary based on it. So that is something I'm going to check out soon. So I cannot read the book and just watch the movie? <laughs> if you want to be that, that kind of reader. You know. It's like that uh, kind of reader. Yeah, <laughs> just like, that kind of viewer, I guess. I'm trying to read the book before I watch the movie this there time. There you go. So, talking about climate change is harder than it sounds. Imagine a game of, I don't know, charades in which you must suddenly convince your friends they're in imminent, life-threatening danger <laughs> without touching them. I mean, like, it's just, you know, if it's charades, you could just grab them and drag them out of the room, you know, <laughs> but... Yeah. The threat is too big to grasp, and the straight facts are not enough to get most people engaged. So how can you get them to take action wait a second how can you get yourself to take action <laughs> yeah forget them it's like Start, yeah. convince yourself first to take action because you know even if you know that it's a problem you know if we're still driving a car around we're causing the problem right yeah and if you can't convince yourself to take action it's going to be hard to convince others but this is this is an article about the uh they asked the experts scientists activists psychologists even therapists, for their best advice about how to communicate about climate change. There's no one-size-fits-all approach, but here are some broad do's and don'ts to help you get your message across. Now, there are a lot of these here, but we can go over some of the just bullet points. 
tell a story rather than reciting facts. That's what you said about this book, yeah. Yeah, that's part of why this book came to mind for today's story. I was reading it last week, too, but uh, here we and are. It, and it never hurts to have a villain yeah. you know, when you're telling a story that there is somebody causing it. The problem is is we are the villain, so it's kind of hard to like <laughs> – you don't want to read a book about yourself as the bad guy. Yeah. Well, that's why you can kind of turn it into one of these redemptive story arcs where you start out as the villain and you realize the error of your ways. Uh, yeah. And also not making it about people is another big one too because as much as a lot, probably a lot of people who listen to the show like animals, like natural places, not everyone has come to that appreciation. But if they realize, you know, I may be harmed by this, I'm a person – Climate change may harm me. Well, that- I've said that you know for years that quit saying let's save the planet. Let's start saying let's save ourselves. Because <laughs> yeah. you know if it's a sinking planet, okay, maybe we can have a technological fix and jump off the planet. Yeah, go to or, Mars you know, or something. You know, <laughs> do something. But if it's imminent danger to ourselves, we might actually you know get out the paddle and. Oh, get out the ore. Here I am. <laughs> yeah. And um, put in solar, right? No, it's like <laughs> get yeah. out the ore and uh, save the planet. Yeah. So. so another important one, tailor that story to your audience. The way we talk about it here on Your Community Spirit is going to be a little different than the way we talk about it somewhere else, you know, because people are tuning in, unless you're just randomly coming to WDBX at this moment and didn't know what you were stumbling into. <laughs> people who tune in regularly probably already know about some of these issues. Well, like, I mean... Uh, a statistical fact is environmentalists don't buy solar, okay? So maybe they also don't actually care about the planet. You know, they talk a good talk, but are they doing something? And I'm saying they because I don't consider myself an environmentalist. I consider myself a person <laughs> that cares about myself. <laughs> I'm greedy. I'm being honest. Yeah. Like the planet, that's nice. But if I can't survive and go out, like, I absolutely hate hot weather. And I spend a lot of time, you know, outside and on roofs. And I'm seeing that, you know, the climate is affecting me. I can't do my job because the weather is so chaotic now. Yeah. Talking to someone who works on roofs about the heat is a good example of knowing your audience. (laughs) And so, yes, that affects me. And, yes, I would like to save the planet. But the truth is this planet will survive without us. It might be a smoldering rock, but... You know, it's like, I mean, it made it through a lot of stuff. I mean, what survives on the planet? Now, that's a different story. Yeah. You know, do we want ourselves to survive as, you know, a human race? Mm-hmm. So, or do, I guess we could just have, you know, a couple thousand people in a pod under the ocean or something. Yeah. Focusing on solutions. That's the next one. So there's a hope gap that even some people who are most alarmed about the climate change don't know what the solutions are. And that, that's the way I feel sometimes. I feel really stressed out, like reading this book, for example. It's all about the problems, but it helps to know that there are solutions. Otherwise, you just curl up in a ball and hide. <laughs> and there's little solutions that make a big impact. One of the statistics that I remember is if everybody in Illinois replaced one incandescent bulb with one compact fluorescent, it would be the equivalent of taking 100,000 cars off the road in pollution reduction. Yeah. That's one light bulb. Of course, you know, it needs to be exponential with people, but the power of people is that. Yeah. We have the power to make change. 
And also, if everyone in Illinois replaced one legislator who denies climate change <laughs> with <like> one who... <laughs> yeah. Talk about how we'll be remembered in the future. Instead of urging people to think about the children... Yeah, I was at a climate conference, and a young lady about 14 got up. And, you know, these are all people who are really advocating for saving the planet, saving the climate. She got up and said, quit saying the children are the future. That means we don't have to do anything now. <laughs> you know, you're trying to save the future. You're not trying to save the now. So... Yeah, and this idea of a legacy is interesting that... Uh that's, you know, talking about abstracts of people in the future may not inspire someone, but if you talk to them about what their legacy is going to be, like, what are future generations going to think about what you did for the climate? Because it makes it about them again. You know, it makes it about how are people going to think of you? Well, that's like people who, you know, put in solar five years ago or had an all-electric car or got rid of their car five years ago. They were like early adapters, and now like everybody wants them. Yeah, right. I mean, um, I mean, we were talking last week about the thousands of people who lined up hours ahead of time to put a thousand dollar down payment for a Tesla. Yeah, and it's not going to come out for probably a year. <laughs> so it's reached the point. Yeah, they're definitely thinking about their legacy if they're <laughs> putting that money down for a car they won't even see for a year. Now. Getting kids in on the game works really well. I I mean, kids, when they learn that they can make a difference, they will force the adults to make a difference. <laughs> yeah. It's called, it's called nagging. Yeah. You know, it's like... Because it's, yeah, it's one thing to hear about maybe some kids out there might be helped, but if your child is coming to you and saying these things, <laughs> that's going to impact you. I remember a 12-year-old girl made a website and it was all about just airing up the tires of your car and how much it would energy and pollution it would save if everybody did that. Yeah. And she just went around talking about that. So that's something we all can do. Just, you know, at least monthly go and put the proper air in your tires. Yeah. So. Another one is don't rely on cheesy stock photos. Um this is, you know, no, you can know your audience. If you're talking to an animal lover, you can talk about how the polar bears are going to suffer. If you're talking to someone who doesn't really express an interest in animals, showing them a picture of a polar bear, that's probably not going to do much for him. <laughs> it's like if I, like, say, if I don't like eating steak, for example, and you show me a juicy steak and you're like, here you go, eat I the steak. I don't know. They had a polar bear drinking a Coke forever and everybody, you know, loves polar bears because yeah, of that. That's true. So we just need to get Coke to say, save the polar bear and we're... We'll, we'll make it right. Yeah, it might. It just might work. <laughs> just like so, and just talk about it. You don't don't get discouraged that you can't reach everyone. You can't motivate everybody. But it did say here: talk about climate change with your friends, your coworkers, your elected officials, and that friendly guy at the bus stop. Yeah, I don't know who they're talking about there. Like, <laughs> like. I don't think any of these people really want to talk about climate change. Well, I was just at a bus stop, so if you see me there, you can talk to me about there it. There you go. <laughs> but also people who don't know about it is good. I mean, the big part of it is just talk about it until it becomes normal. Yeah. I mean, until it becomes shower conversation, right? Yeah. Well, like people, you see people sometimes talking about, you know, 
the weather, or they talk about what happened with celebrity gossip, or you know, they we talk about the weather all the time. Yeah, and so from now on, if someone says something, oh man, that weather is strange. Say, oh yeah, climate change, and then you're done. Yeah, and if someone wants to talk about it. That will create a conversation. So yeah. like climate change, you know, you're like, you've yeah. opened the door. <laughs> it's like open the hot, windy, bad. I don't know where I'm <laughs> British Columbia's carbon tax has been so successful that businesses want to increase it. Yes, that's right. Businesses are asking for a tax increase. A this carbon is... tax may be a conver- controversial topic in the United States. But in one Canadian province, the eight-year-old policy has been such a success that on Wednesday, more than 100 businesses said they support – wait, what? <laughs> support a tax increase. That's pretty rare. This is why this is making the news. In a letter addressed to the Premier Christy Clark, who governs the province of British Columbia, more than 150 – well, here it said 100. Now it says more than 150. <laughs> Choose, choose it, right? Yeah. Um, more than 150 companies said they would back a plan to increase the ta- carbon tax by $10. That's about $7.70 U.S. per metric ton a year starting in July 2018. An idea the government-sponsored climate leadership team unveiled earlier this year. Now, why would they want to do that? Since 2007, British Columbia has been setting greenhouse gas reduction targets based on findings of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. That's the IPCC, the world's most respected authority on the subject. Four years after introducing the first carbon tax in North America in 2008, British Columbia froze the tax rates at 2012 levels to allow other provinces to catch up however that freeze could be lifted under the new climate leadership plan that could be approved this spring the proposed plan includes recommendations like reducing emissions in the so-called built environment industry and transportation sectors by 40 percent compared to 20 2007 levels yet among The 32 recommendations raising the carbon tax could be the most salient to the public as it affects everybody. It also brings direct monetary benefits. Since the carbon tax is revenue neutral, meaning every dollar generates goes back to the public through reductions. Now we know why. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like every dollar generate goes back to the public through reductions in other taxes. So the extra money that British Columbians pay for gas, for example, is offset by a tax refund elsewhere. Yeah. That never happens. You create a tax increase and it creates a tax decrease somewhere else. That's like magic government. That's the magic of revenue, neutral tax increases. And that's that's why you have all these business communities in British Columbia asking for the tax to increase is because – they're the lesser polluting industries. You know, the tax has the strongest effect on heavily polluting industries and people who drive a ton of low-efficiency vehicles. So everybody who isn't in that category is going to say, sure. What, like 80% of us? Yeah, the 80% of us who, you know, don't 
you know, don't run a oil company or don't, you know, drive the most gas-guzzling car. Because, you know, even someone who drives a car can benefit from this tax if they're not constantly buying tons and tons of gasoline, you know. Because technically they will pay a little bit more at the pump when they do buy gas, but then their, you know, their, their, uh, their sales tax may go down, their uh, housing tax may go down. I thought it will go down. Well, it will go down, yeah. I don't know the exact details of which taxes go down in British Columbia. got it. But they know, they may feel the pinch a little bit when they're buying at the pump, but then they're like, at least this is going to, you know, decrease my other taxes. All right, let's scare people in weird ways. (laughs) Climate change is going to hurt us in a lot of weird ways. If you listened to our show last week, there was the predictions that the sea level rise would rise another six feet by the end of the century. The White House has now released a new report looking at the health impacts of climate change from drowning to depression. Quote, when people think about the public health effects of flooding, they think about people drowning. One of the things we learned from the report that that's just the tip of the health iceberg. End quote. Stephanie Herring, a climate scientist at the North, what? Well, it just says N O A A. What's that? North. Yeah, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric, Atmospheric uh, a- Association Agency. Agency. Or something. <laughs> I've I've actually visited I, there, so I hate when they do an acronym, and even though I'm supposed to know it, like NASA, I know that one all <laughs> the time. Yeah, but. Among the range of physical health impacts, Americans can look forward to a future of more food and water contamination, increased asthma rates, and tenfold jumps in death from heat exposure, the report found. And it was definitely written in a bubbly-like voice Hmm. like that. Yeah. The report also devotes an entire chapter to the mental health impacts of climate change, which are often symbiotic. Mental health issues can limit one's resilience in a disaster, making it more difficult to find shelter or access help, and living through a disaster can lead to depression, anxiety, and PTSD, another acronym that probably don't have to explain what it means, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Quote, I don't think we've ever seen a force that affects so many dimensions of health for so many people as climate change does, said Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. So get ready to hear the phrase vector-borne disease a lot more often. Yeah. Like the Zika virus, you know. Yes. And there we go. A listener just sent us the message. It's administration. That's the word we were forgetting. (laughs) I knew it wasn't association or agency. It's It's administration. Yeah. And then there's from another NOAA scientist who worked on the report quote we're going to diseases see diseases in areas we haven't seen them before like in people you know like like (laughs) just like yeah so more areas of the united states will be hospitable to mosquitoes and ticks (laughs) and everybody around here loves ticks right (laughs) so yeah that's another article focusing on the human consequences since that seems to get people's attention here's an interesting story Got time for one last one before we get into the happenings here. California seeks solar solution to outage concerns after the Aliso Canyon gas leak. So let's give people some hope here. Yeah, here's some hope. 
Government officials released a plan of action on Tuesday to address the power outage concerns created by the four-month-long Aliso Canyon gas leak in Southern California. Media reports forecast power generators, particularly those in the surrounding Los Angeles area, to be bracing for potential blackouts of as long as 14 days this summer as a result of the gas shortages triggered by the methane leak. Now, there's a certain irony in this because a lot of anti-solar, anti-renewable people complain and say, oh, it's not reliable, it only works when the sun shines, those sorts of things. <laughs> and now they're having to abandon their fossil fuel source in, order, in favor of solar because solar is more reliable. In order to mitigate predicted power disruptions, regulators are calling for alternative measures to aid in offsetting the lost gas supplies, with solar PV and solar thermal forming parts of those plans. At the moment, Aliso Canyon, the fourth-largest underground gas reserve of its kind, remains out of action on an indefinite basis. You know, that's because of that giant leak we were talking about for months, (laughs) because it was going on for months. Yeah, it's like uh, the California Solar Energy Industries Association reported part of the action plan released by Governor Jerry Brown's administration includes designs to increase installations of rooftop solar systems, including solar hot water, solar space heating, and and solar electric systems. It claims that if a solar heating project were installed on just 7% of the multifamily buildings in the Los Angeles area, it would offset the the annual natural gas demand for all buildings served by this gas company. So so there you go. (laughs) Simple fix, 7% of the buildings. In addition to commitments made in the action plan, Calcia is urging policymakers to take things a step further with specific recommendations that include expanding consumer incentives for solar heating technologies and extending access to rooftop solar systems for municipal utilities. And at the moment, Aliso Canyon, the fourth largest underground gas reserve of its kind, remains out of action on an indefinite basis. Yeah. So with the operation limited, there will be a greater burden on other utilities. And of course, in light of this, renewable energy has energized itself <laughs> and stepped forward, stepping up to the mark to reduce the natural gas demand. Da-da-da-da! <laughs> solar like... to the rescue! <laughs> Wait, did you say solar? Solar to the rescue. <laughs> I should create like a superhero, like Solar to Energy Mon! <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I need, like, an outfit. Yeah, I think that superhero identity would take off. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, in light of that, let's switch over to something else. Today is Friday, and it, it says it's draw a picture of a bird day, and my birds are M's. So I could draw a bird really easy. I just, you know, put an M on a picture up there, and it's like a bird flying. <laughs> yeah. Saturday is Name Yourself Day. I've already celebrated that we holiday. Both have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the Energy Mon. Yeah, and I'm Tree Song. We did, you, did you know we have regular names? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so National Siblings Day is coming up on Sunday. Give a shout out to my siblings. Monday is Do You Remember These? Eight track <laughs> tape day. I don't remember actually listening to them. I remember my dad having them lying around and sort of playing with them as blocks, you know. My my dad said he bought a brand new car, and it was like three months later before he could afford to have them add the 8-track tape, (laughs) you know, because it didn't. Actually, he bought it, and he couldn't afford wipers. (laughs) So, like, the first month he bought one wiper, 
Um, no, it came with wipers, but no wiper motors. Oh, there you go. So literally, <laughs> they had a string hanging out both windows, and you'd pr- have a person pull it this way on this side and pull it back that way. Or you just drive really slow with your head out the window. Yeah. And then, you know, saved up the money to buy a wiper blade and then saved up enough money to buy an 8-track tape player. Yeah. Well, I guess it's good he did things in that order. He didn't go for the 8-track first. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I know he said it didn't come with either of those. So. Yeah. So we have... Tuesday is big wind day. This day, you know, totally blows me away. <laughs> and... I, We've been having a lot of those days. I mean, people have been talking to me about wind as a renewable energy source a lot lately because they think it's windy around here. Yeah. And I could say based on the last, you know, few months, we've been having some crazy wind. But gusts of wind is not power production. It's not a steady source. Yeah, it has to be steady. So International Moment of Laughter Day is coming up next Thursday. So hopefully you'll laugh a lot between now and then. But if you forget to, Thursday's the day. It's also look up at the sky day as if you had anything better to do. No, that's pretty good. If you've There's been some spectacular, like if you've seen some pictures recently, there's been some clouds that make it look like we have mountains around here. <laughs> just <Yeah. like laughs> Or just a giant black cloud over Carbondale and it's like beautiful everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So... It's also reach as high as you can day. So look yeah. up at the sky day and reach as high as you can day. They should go together. <laughs> That's National Pecan Day, so you can pick some pecans too while you're looking up. All right, so into the happenings. We've got the 16th annual For Kids Sake Art Auction. It is already starting and it is running through April 29th at the Long Branch Cafe and Bakery, 100 East Jackson Street. It features art from a worldwide array of artists, both young and old, and this year it's featuring, it's tying into the larger For Kids Sake fundraising campaign, Art Patrons for Education. So I, I have a feeling we're going to talk more about this in a little bit. Uh, but you can check out forkidssake.net for all of the details. And April 29th is the closing reception for that. It's all the proceeds from the art auction will benefit orphans and students in Bangladesh. New Community Learning Center at Gaia House. Gaia House is starting a new Community Learning Center. You can r- learn more about it at ourguyhouse.org slash learning. Anyone can propose a course that they would like to take or teach. The Community Learning Center helps students find teachers and teachers find students. Sounds like a good deal. Also coming up, the beautiful Southern Ride coming up on Saturday at 7 a.m. at 1150 East Grand Avenue. Enjoy a 30-mile ride, a challenging 62-mile or a moderate 75-mile ride. That's pretty exciting. Terrain is flat to rolling on the 30 to 75 miles with some challenging hills on the 62. So for more information, you can go to beautifulsouthernride.com. It's sponsored by the Rotary Club of Carbondale Breakfast and Carbondale Bicycle Club. And the routes are marked with rest stops and have support and gear, you know, like if you break down, someone will come pick you up. Yeah. And um, I think that address is one of the schools. Basically, you... Start at the school, and they give you a map, and the routes are marked. There you go. On Saturday, Labyrinth Peace Park Restoration Group. Saturday, April 9th at 1.30 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center. The next meeting of the Labyrinth Peace Park Restoration Group is on Saturday, 
If you like the Labyrinth and want to learn more about the Restoration Project, upcoming events, and what you can do to help, this is a good opportunity to get involved. Um, they have the Labyrinth Peace Walk, the f- what, the first Sunday of each month? Yeah. Yep. All right, and we've got time for one last one here to mark your calendars for this. The Sail to Fight World Hunger, The Legacy of Margie Parker. It's coming up on Friday, April 15th at noon to 6 p.m. and Saturday, April 16th at 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's at Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church. This is a giant yard sale and auction, and they're still looking for goodies for it, for the auction, for the yard sale, looking for volunteers as well. Last year, close to 9000 was raised to support eight local and six worldwide agencies that feed hungry people. And it's been going on since 1975, raising over $250,000. And this is next Friday and Saturday, but all donations will be accepted at Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church on Wednesday, April 13th and Thursday, April 14th from 9 to 5 at the back door on Jackson Street. So, And then over 200 volunteers are needed April 12th through the 15th to help with a great variety. But this is a big one. This is... The 42nd annual sale to stop world hunger. Yes, there we go. So, yeah, for more info on that, 618-521-0613, or you can show up to volunteer and to donate. And I like that, uh, you know, the majority of the money goes to local organizations. Mm -hmm. You know, it supports eight local organizations and six international ones. Yeah. So, all right. This has been another exciting Yep. Exciting and informative. <laughs> I know I've enjoyed it, and we found some moments of hope in there. If you want to communicate with us, let us know of your happenings. Send us money. Send us, I don't know, anything. Our email is info at yourcommunityspirit.org. We'll see you again on the radio next week. Yes, and remember to check out the Gatorade event, too, tonight's. Show your support for WDBX.